I got a telephone call the other day from the Nishka Tribal Council, from one of their friends in Victoria. Wanted to know why somebody like myself, who covers the province of BC fairly much like a blanket, seems to concentrate entirely on the populated areas. We do the best we can. But fortunately, here this morning, I've got Jimmy Gosnell, whom I first met a long while ago, who is the president of the Nishka Tribal Council from New Ianch, BC. And I have with them Nelson Leeson, the executive coordinator. Even Indian tribal councils have got these fancy bureaucratic names nowadays, Nelson. <laughs> and Jimmy, you want a chance to say your piece about what you regard as an invasion of your lands. Oh, definitely. Tell me about it, because what I know about it, you can put in the back of my pinky. Okay, the, first of all, the, uh, I think you know this uh, international giant known as Amex Mining Company? Yes. yes well, they uh, just walked into Arley's Arms some six years ago, 74, commenced a study, or supposedly study, which we weren't aware of until about six months ago. And then uh, they announced to us in November last year, to our council in Terrace last year, uh, about the proposed operations, eh? Amex. Amex, yeah. And then uh, we discovered then uh, that they had done a supposedly uh, study of the inlet. This is the head of Observatory Inlet. The Observatory Inlet has two arms in it, Alice Arm and Hastings Arm, by your information. Since you don't know too much about British Columbia, so I may as well tell you exactly where it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're not quite joking. It's 150 miles north of Prince Rupert. It's yeah, it's right on about the coast to Alaska border, eh? not too far from Alaska. Now, what are Amex now? What are Amex planning to do there? Well, the uh, planning to uh, first of all, the the reopened the uh, existing mine there, or small mine. But the the point, what what we're concerned about is their proposed dumping eh, into the inlet. They're they're going to dump the uh, the tailings, mine, mine tailings, into the inlet. And according to their study, they, they tell us that this inlet will contain the, the tailings. And we say it cannot. This is where the argument is. They're telling us their studies indicate that. We've looked at their studies. We've now hired uh, three scientists to do a, a, an overview of that study. And they tell us that it's a very questionable study. All right, down here on the coast, Nelson and Jimmy, we probably saw something in the paper, the Amex giant multinational corporation is proposing a big mining operation in observatory, at the head of observatory inlet. That's correct. And they're going to pour so many hundreds of millions of tons of tailings into what leads to the ocean. Is that mm -hmm. right? That's correct. And we look at it and we say, oh, good. Mining stocks will go up. There'll be a lot of people from who are unemployed down here will get jobs in the mine up there. Right? That's what we say. That's what, that's what everybody else thinks, you know. And that's what you people used to think, too, at one time, was it not? Well, well we, have no, we have no quarrel with the operation, really. What we're quarreling about is about the tailings being dumped in a jack. You, you put it this way. Supposing the same, same mining company proposed to put the dumping in, in Barrett Inlet, right here in Vancouver. What We'd would you do? We'd stop them. We'd yeah, stop Well, that's exactly what we're, what we're doing. You, you don't mind the operation of the mine, but it's the dumping into the inlet. The damage of the environment could be forever. Now, what stage is this at? Have they got pollution control or environmental approval yet? Oh, definitely. They have. They, yes, the federal, both federal and provincial government have given their blessing to this proposed operation. Nelson, were you people uh, consulted at all about this, uh, the environmental or pollution permission? No, we weren't. Uh, as our president mentioned, in November of 79, they, they asked to meet with the Nishka Tribal Council in Terrace, which we did. 
And we were asking them just what they were prepared to offer us in the line of, of employment and what have you. And they, they almost just shunned us away. They said, if you qualify, none of our people have mined before. And, uh, In other words, the union membership down here would be closed to your people unless they need permit workers for casual labor up at the mine. They didn't even offer us that. They offered us nothing. How many jobs? The access to the sea, they call it. You know. Yeah, they put a road in there and they said they'd give us <laughs> access to the sea. <laughs> Were these Canadian officials of Amex or American officials? Well, the American, I believe. The, well, they're international, really. This is an international giant we're talking about. You know. They're operating all over the world, in Africa, Australia, you name it. You know. Okay, I hate to ask the next question. I remember the Nishkas were the first people apparently to win a step in the direction to own the tribal lands. Remember when Berger acted for mm -hmm. you? Yes. Did you win a decision involving the ownership of the Nishka tribal lands? As far as we were concerned, yes, we still own the land. Our title has never been extinguished. As a matter of fact, no one has any evidence of our title being extinguished at this moment. You never signed a treaty no at any way. time? No way. Well, have you... I mean, we all had a good little giggle at the Fort Nelson band <laughs> giving five million to the lawyer on the hundred billion dollar settlement. That's beside the point. Mm -hmm. Have you... Are you close to a settlement? Are you going to sell the land oh, to the federal not. government definitely if they give you the money? Not. We say the Nishka land is not for sale. But you want no. money from them. What well, do you want the money for? <laughs> we want to be part and parcel of any operation within that land. Would Amex be within that land? Oh, yes, Well, he, they're within that land. Like, and like we said, Lord, you take tree farm license number one, Campsell, for a moment. We have no say in Campsell. We have no say in Amex. We have no say in nothing, period. It's on your land? It's on our land. Without permission? Without, Without permission, permission, our permission. And Berger supported you, or Berger got you a decision of some kind. Mm -hmm. Well, four to three split on decision. the technicality. It was a split decision. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Gosnell, when was it we met the last time? Oh, this is during the first uh, hearing here in Vancouver. 19... Uh, 1969, I believe it was. It's a Supreme Court of British Columbia. And he, and he yeah. says, you were still in the radio, radio business. Yeah, that we place in the Georgia mm -hmm. Hotel or yeah, something. Yeah. Jimmy Gosnell, President, Nishka Tribal Council. Nelson Leeson, Executive Coordinator. After the break. Just to show Jimmy Gosnell and Nelson Leeson that I'm not entirely stupid, <laughs> during the break I did a sketch of Alice Arm. Will you look at the monitor? Where's the, where's the monitor? Let's see it. How long will it take? Oh, I can't see the... I've just done this sketch and we can't show it. Will you line it up and we'll show it as soon as you can. Now, I just want to get a couple of things straight. There it is. See the sketch mm -hmm. I did, Julie? Yeah, yeah, is see. that all right? Mm -hmm. Close to it. <laughs> Close enough, I think. Close enough. Should be a little yeah, further north. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just about it. Uh, well, that's Alice Arm. Are you telling me, Nelson Leeson, just to confirm what Jimmy Gosnell said, the provincial government and the federal government gave the blessings to this giant operation without even giving a nod in your direction. Exactly. No, no consultation whatsoever. No, no, no consideration. I mean, they, they must still think us Indians are in, a, in the 20s where we didn't care and there was enough land to, to pass out to people. Like, it's the area of the north they have to develop. So they're just marching and doing it. What do you have to do before you have jurisdiction over the use of what you tell me, and I'm not going to call you a liar, is your land? Mm -hmm. 
What do you have to do well, we're, before we're, you can exempt the clout of ownership? Well, we're, we're, we're pushing the settlement, as you know. Well, this settlement is a wide thing. It'll take me days and days, really, to, to, uh, to come to, to answer your question. But putting it very simply, you would want royalties or franchises or part of the proceeds or some of the control? Well, everything. Everything. You're prepared to allow development, but oh, you want oh, a share oh, of the pie. Oh, definitely, yes. If you look at our declaration, the key word in the declaration is sharing of the resources, not only of the people of British Columbia, but all of Canada, as we said. So in a way, we don't think we're unrealistic in what we're saying. We're not saying we're not kicking anybody out. We're, we're not against any development in any way, shape, or form. But as of this moment, Jack, we have absolutely nothing, no, no say, no nothing in the area. If I, I, you, I've known you long enough to put this to you. Has the, has the, the non-Indian not given you some considerable support over the years to which we're entitled to a wee bit back? I think, I think uh, lately, nicely. lately the non-Indian through the trade unions in the Northwest uh, Conference, I believe it was, gave us, gave us their support. Eh? That was the first uh, major support that we got towards our aim of settlement of the land. Jimmy, not talking about Niskas, but among the non-Indian in this country, and he's been here a few weeks now, he thinks to himself when he's had a few beers in the pub, and I'm talking about non-Indians, name of goodness, have we got to give back, buy back the country? Is that a selfish, stupid thought? Well, I don't think. Man? I don't think the, the the new. I was under the impression that you're talking about labor unions. No, no. These people that you're talking about, I don't think an Indian exists in Canada, in their minds. Maybe you're right. Yeah. I am right. Maybe you're right. What was I going to ask you? Oh, I was going to take a couple of calls if there was one on the topic from Prince George. Mm. That's not quite the Niska country, but it's Close getting up that you. way. Go ahead, please. I'm not even a carrier. I'm a hider. Oh, great. Hider? Yes, from the Queen Charlotte Islands, from Massett. Right. But um, didn't, Jack, didn't Jack just say we're going to buy back the country? No, what I'm saying is that the guy in the pub, the man in the pub says, why should we buy back the country? Oh, well, if they don't want to buy back the country, then they should leave. And I don't think they're going to buy back the country because they didn't buy it in the first place. <laughs> what are they going to buy back to begin with? <laughs> I should never have raised the subject. It's into too delicate an area. That's right. Anyway, you're with the boys on, uh, my guests on this topic. Yes, I know Nelson Leeson. I don't know Jimmy Gosnell, but uh, I know Nelson. Ooh. Oh, Nelson's just a young fella. Yes, he is. <laughs> How old are you, Nelson? I'm 31. 31. How old are you, Jimmy? 39. <laughs> if you don't tell me the truth about that, what else can I believe, eh? Anyway, you're younger than I am. Okay, just to sum up your problem, are you planning any instant action or are you just going to go the long, tortuous route of nagging and negotiation? Well, so far, Jack, we've, our tribe has kept pretty well within the law, as you know, but as you, you, know, you know what the younger generation of people are today, regardless of what color their skin is. They don't give a hoot to what's going on. Sooner or later, they're going to take things in their own hands. This oh, is what they might be worried about. Jimmy, it's going all, all over the world. That they don't kid yourself. This is my big risk. As far as we're concerned, we will attempt to stay within the law, the bounds of the law. At the moment, we're asking that there be public inquiry into this whole Amex dumping of the, the tailings into the inlet. That's what we're asking. Who are you asking, Bennett? We're, we're asking, asking the, we're asking the uh, both provincial government and the federal government that there be a public inquiry, nothing less, is what we're asking. Now, that's not asking for the moon. In other it? words, it goes in two steps. One, a public inquiry to ensure 
that the tailings are properly and safely disposed of. Mm -hmm. And what kind of quantity of tailings are we talking about? 100 million metric tons. <laughs> it's a mile long, a mile wide, and a mile high after 25 years. Now you figure that out. And they tell us that's going to stay in the inlet. We say it's going to escape the inlet. Sooner or later it'll destroy not only this traditional fishing, but commercial fishing in Area 3. Area 3, for your information, is top end of the coast in commercial fishing ways. Mm -hmm. one, one of the one of the, the things is is that it, you know, it, it's a really an environmental issue too. Yeah, I know. Mean, we're, we're worried about. But uh, let me get the second stage, Nelson. One is the public hearing, to make sure the tillings are properly disposed of, and not merely automatic permits given. The second, of course, is allied with your negotiations as to your share of the dibs, right? Mm -hmm. Two things. Next step is what then? To hear from Bennett and. What's the name of the guy? So in far, they have refused us a public hearing. We're still pressing for a public hearing. And he calls. You see, talk about the telephone company and the phones go crazy. <laughs> Mind you, there aren't that many Niskas within easy range. They don't range know. Of... They don't know what's. Uh, well, they yeah. don't know the problem. What? Well, go ahead, please. Go ahead, please. Yeah, Mr. Whipster. Yes. Yeah, these two gentlemen that they have on the uh, show. Uh, I figure if they don't have this, they should be allowed to have the state and the whole mining progress or the mine should not be allowed to go Fair ahead. enough. He's with you all the way. Mm. Look, I'm grateful you for, to you for coming down. I've done my best to explain your point of view and perhaps I even understand it myself a little better. Mm -hmm. Who's your negotiator now with the federal government on the land claims? Bob Young. Bob? Bob Young. How do you spell it? Young. Y-U-N. Why are you in? Why are you in? He's a recently appointed man. Lawyer? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Lawyer from where? Edmonton? Uh, Calgary. He's based in Calgary. He did some work with, uh, with the Alberta Association. You won't like this question, Jimmy. But it'll give me a laugh. Is he on a fee basis or a percentage? I wouldn't know. As far as we're concerned, it's, he was hired by the federal government, so you asked Trudeau that. Oh, they hired him on well, your behalf to act as your negotiator. They hired him for the federal government. We're negotiating on our own. Good. You live in Tennis or New Ianch? New Ianch. New Ianch. How's the housing in New Ianch? You've always been a pretty sophisticated band, but are you happy with the housing you have no, in New Ions? No, by all means not. As a matter of fact, I think our band council is going to ask the Department of Health to do a survey, the, the National Health, of course, to do a survey to see how many houses in New Ions meets the Canadian standard. That's what we're going to do. How many do you think meet the Canadian standards? <laughs> Probably about 10%. You've got running water. Silly question, but I must ask it. Yes. Electricity? Yes. But very low standard housing? Right. Sewage, yeah, we have sewage and all that. But they, you know, uh, when you talk about standards in housing, you got to really know what you're talking about. So we're going to ask the National Health and Welfare people to do the survey. And I'm, then we'll know where we're at. I'm very grateful to G James Gosnell, President of the Nishka Tribal Council, and Nelson Leeson, the Executive Coordinator. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank next, you, <laughs> Next, next, next. Just a minute. Next, next, next. Next, Jess Suckamore would have came on after the break. Our oral history tells us that the Nishka Nation has been on our land since before the beginning of time. We have recent scientific evidence that places our people within some of our villages into the tens of thousands of years. And throughout all that time, the Nishka Nation evolved as a vibrant, self-determining, 
proud people with a strong culture and a language that was theirs. In stark contrast, the Indian Act was shoved down our throats for a little over 130 years. And in that 130 plus years, it did a tremendous amount of damage. One of the, the biggest crimes against humanity in our view was, uh, in particular the Niskanation, was, was the whole patrilineal system in the Indian Act. When the Indian Act came in, we lost a lot of what we call our Angosks, the lands where we could, I mean, the lands all around us in the valley. Every Niska citizen has a voice. Under the Act, they never had a voice. Under the Indian Act, they never had a voice. Only the elected chief councillors had a voice. And in creating the Niska Constitution, I recall the late Dr. Frank Calder, because I was on the working group. He said, this will be the supreme law of the nation, which gives the citizens the freedom to move and the freedom of choice and the protection of their rights. All the lands are owned by certain tribes or individuals in the valley. When an Indian Act came along, that was reduced to just portions of land where we do most of activities, like camping to gather food, which is seasonal. And then we have our four communities where we, we live together during the off-season of gathering our food and so on, like hunting or fishing. A Niska mother, for example, um, couldn't marry somebody who wasn't status, but a but a Niska male could marry somebody who was uh, not status. And in the case of uh, the mother, she would lose her status. In the case of the, of the man, he would keep his status. You know? And that what we saw as a significant you know, attack on our matrimonial culture. So what we did was uh, in the treaty identify who is entitled to be enrolled. And that protection is extended to all Niska citizens in the Constitution. So in many ways, it's, it's, uh, we used our, our constitution also became a way of announcing to the world and to our own people, we're going to correct this wrong. The premise of the Nishka Treaty was to get the Nishka people from under the oppressive policies of the Indian Act. Uh, so this process of re-empowerment uh, is very important uh, to the Nishka nation to bring us back to where we were before the Indian Act was imposed on our daily lives. More and more, Nisqalism government has been using this community consultation um, approach to lawmaking. It provides certainty to our people. The Nishka Constitution uh, is the supreme law of the Nishka Nation on Nishka lands. Uh, from that very important law are derived uh, the opportunities and the jurisdictions to govern ourselves. First and foremost, uh, uh, we need a strategic approach uh, to use, uh, uh, make the most efficient use of limited uh, finite resources, human, technical, financial, etc. Uh, through our vision statement, uh, it provides us the focus necessary uh, to make effective decisions when making priorities. To us, that's what this process of re-empowerment is all about the ability to determine the priorities for the Nishka Nation. We've given that freedom of choice 
back to our citizens. It's theirs that empowers them to do with whatever they want to do, whether they want to enter into a fee simple or a nascent entitlement so that they can mortgage their land. The choice is theirs. That's what it's all about, freedom of choice. The group of legislation that has been enacted by the House with respect to the Niska Land Holding Project has involved quite a bit of community consultation um, because the, that group of legislation has a direct impact on Niska citizens as um, it allows Niska citizens to have the option to convert their land into fee simple lands. So the, um, the approach there has been to go through quite a number of public consultations with the different um, Niska villages and members of the Niska villages. There were numerous updates that were brought forth to the Niskalism's government executive and direction each time was sought from the executive as to how to proceed with the next step in developing this legislation. And I mean, this is a very um, specific example because it's a huge group of legislation that's being enacted for a very large project. So, um, very specific example, but along the way we've had these community consultations, we've had reports back to the executive, um, the executive providing further direction either more consultation is required, or um, this is the direction we hear NISCA citizens wanting to go in, so we want to go this direction. Then instructions are, are put forward to the um, drafting team, which involves our legal counsel, as along with our, um, in this case, the Lands and Resources Directorate and members of that directorate. And um, legislation's developed and then brought forward to Wilpsayuk NISCA for consideration and ultimately enactment. Once these laws are enacted by either WSN or the executive, uh, I assist the law clerk with registering the laws and then um, distributing them to Nishka villages, Nishka urban locals, uh, Canada and BC as parties to the treaty. And uh, we also maintain a public registry. As a self-governing nation, I think it's important uh, not only for um, us to make the information available and easily accessible, but also uh, just to fulfill that, uh, that need that Nishka citizens have to know more about uh, self-government processes and the very decisions that uh, are made by our legislatures, um, that uh, they understand it. You hear so much about communities where there's on and off reserve issues. Um, there's no such distinction for Nisqua citizens. We're all Niska citizens wherever we live. If we live in the valley, if we, if we live off uh, in Prince Rupert or Terrace or Vancouver in urban locals, um, we, we participate. And one of the greatest accomplishments that the Niska nation was able to achieve in the treaty was the lawmaking process for the nation. It's important that I say for the nation because the laws that are created by Niskalism's government govern our people. Where there's fear, there's no investment. That's what the Niska Treaty is about, is certainty. Not just for Aboriginal people, for the Niska Nation, certainty for all people involved. For any traditional values or customs or laws to be effective, in today's society, they have to have the ability to evolve over time. They can't remain stagnant, otherwise they become irrelevant. 
One of the biggest successes that we've had, we have 182 enactments, of which we are the most proud of. 35 amendments to our own laws. We no longer have to go to the Minister of Indian Affairs or to the federal government. We've seen where we've made errors, we've corrected our own errors, and we're moving forward. No one else is doing it for us, we're doing it on our own. Nishka government has supported the development of youth councils in each Nishka village and urban local. So the idea of the, the structure of the youth councils is that uh, they each have local youth councils in their respective village or urban local and they have a representative, one representative that comes to a national body called the Nishka Youth Advisory Council. Uh, I think they serve as excellent role models for their peers and other youth that are younger than them and in uh, seeing the possibility of uh, being an active participant. The Council of Elders that are now allowed to sit in the meetings and to, to observe what is going on. If things don't work out right, then the elders will get up and say, hey, Sam Wilson, Sam Wilson, it means giving them encouragement for what they're doing, but at the same time point out where they might be slightly going astray and they kind of guide them back to what they should be doing. In other words, the mentality uh, definitely changes when you uh, cease to become an Indian under the Indian Act and uh, you become a, a, a proud member of your nation. I'm especially proud that I'm a young Nishka person that's been able to be a part of this process of Nishka self-government. If Nishka Nation can do it, anybody can do it. You know, we feel that uh, we're as capable as other nations and that nations are as capable as we are. We can all govern ourselves. Achieving the treaty and agreement is only the first step. Getting into the mechanics and putting, breathing life into that document is a responsibility of the people, not of the federal or the provincial government. It's the responsibility of the respective Aboriginal people who achieve those agreements. In the spirit of Saik Elam God, the Nishka Nation is a place where our Ayuk, our language and our culture are the foundation of our identity. It is a place where learning is a way of life. It is a place where we strive for sustainable prosperity and self-reliance. It is a place where we inspire trust and understanding through effective communications. And it is a place where our governance and services evolve to meet the needs of our citizens. If we carry those out, Diligently, what we achieve is found in our tagline, one heart, one path, one nation. But in carrying out your fiduciary obligation to the citizens of the Niska Nation, you have to be comfortable enough to know that the decision was made for future generations.
There's something that, about our culture that many of our people don't recognize. To me, Niska culture is all about helping one another. no. We share the joy of young people starting off on their life. We share the sorrow of someone who has lost a loved one. Niska culture to me is a sharing culture. Everything we do, we share. And we should never let that go. That will I yes, Nigwaden. That will I yes, none. Nitum will I yes.